oral questions by members. Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, yesterday we raised serious concerns in this House about the stunning mismanagement of taxpayer dollars at BC Housing and the total lack of accountability by this Premier when he was the Housing Minister responsible for that Crown Corporation. Now, while the Premier didn't answer a single question here in this House, he did tell one media outlet yesterday, and I quote, I haven't seen the report that the Leader of the Opposition is talking about. To the best of my knowledge, I don't know. End of quote. So, despite having been the Housing Minister responsible for housing, the Premier claims to be unaware of this damning 2018 BDO review of Atira, BC Housing's largest non-profit housing provider. Now, this is very hard to believe, Mr. Speaker, because after all, BC Housing issued a statement on that very BDO draft report back in March while he was the minister responsible. And furthermore, when pressed yesterday, the CEO of Atira said that the report was common knowledge during the time the Premier was the housing minister. Something doesn't add up. There are two different stories here, and the public deserves to know the truth. So my question to the Premier, was he negligent as a housing minister and unaware of such a damning report on his largest housing provider, or will he admit he was aware of the report and chose instead to bury it? Premier. Uh, thank you, uh, Honourable Chair. Please continue. <laughs> Members. <laughs> Premier. Uh, thank you, Honourable Chair. Um, this is indeed a very serious issue. Uh, the uh, uh, response to a, a media question I had yesterday, um, I didn't recognize the report that the member or that the uh, reporter was describing to me, uh, but I am familiar with that report. Uh, it was described to me as a report uh, into what had happened under our government at BC Housing. In fact, it's a report into what happened at BC Housing under the BC Liberal government, um, which is an important uh, detail that was missing. Um, but, uh, but regardless, um, this is a very serious issue and I'll endeavor to do my best to provide the House with an accounting of what happened and when. And I'll ask uh, the Chair's leave and the opposition's leave. It's a longer answer than usual, uh, but uh, if necessary, I'll break it up into multiple answers. Uh, I was appointed as Housing Minister October uh, 2020, a great honour, uh, Honourable Chair. Um, by uh, March 2021, about six months later, uh, it was apparent to me that a review needed to be done of business practices inside BC Housing uh, for a number of reasons. One of them I've uh, spoken about publicly on a number of occasions, which was the uh, Little Mountain deal, uh, where uh, uh, public uh, property was uh, sold off, uh, low-income community levelled, uh, and it remains an empty field today. I didn't want us to be in that situation again. There was also other information that caused me concern. Um, uh, at that six-month mark, uh, I asked the Crown Agency Secretariat through the Public Service to initiate a review. That review was done by Ernst & Young. The work started in October of 2021. It's called the Financial Systems and Operational Review, and that report was, in fact, released publicly. During that work, uh, during that time of that work, Ernst & Young identified that additional questions uh, were raised 
uh, in the scope of work they'd been asked to do, that they had more concerns. We asked them to continue that work and they provided details to us in June of 2022. The information they provided to us led to us in July of 2022. And I say us, I, uh, I'm referring to uh, uh, the uh, public service uh, uh, who, to whom I'm very grateful for facilitating uh, this process. Uh, we requested the Comptroller General to initiate a forensic engagement at BC Housing. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Leader of the Official Opposition Supplemental. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I appreciate the word salad, but I think the reality is I asked a very specific question. Now, a couple of points that he made. First of all, he tried to say, well, actually, it, was, uh, it wasn't their report. Uh, but actually, if the member would look at page six of that BDO report, it specifically says very clearly it's referring to the 2018 financial statements of Atira. Now, he then references the Ernst & Young report. Well, the Ernst & Young report, just to remind this House, was the report that he quietly released on the long weekend, Canada Day long weekend in July. That's consistent with the kind of transparency and accountability that we've seen out of this member. But my question to the member is why is it that the problems that were identified in that BDO report not being addressed? The TIE reported just today that BC housing documents that were uh, obtained through freedom of information show that the same problems identified in the BDO report continue at ATIRA. The same problems continue. We also know, according to FOI documents, that funding to ATIRA under that minister in this government has more than tripled to almost $52 million a year. No other housing provider has experienced such a massive increase in funding. Record high spending coupled with record financial mismanagement. But apparently, when the Premier was the minister responsible for housing, he initially suggested he had never seen the report. Now he's suggesting he didn't realize which report it was, perhaps fair enough, confusing all the different reports floating out there. But the fact of the matter, the mismanagement was happening right under his nose as the minister responsible. So I have a simple question for the Premier, very straightforward, and it goes right to public transparency. Will the Premier at least confirm what is the salary for the CEO of Atira, please? Premier. Uh, thank you, Honourable Chair. Um, uh, what I'm going to do is uh, continue to explain to the member the steps that I took uh, starting almost immediately on my appointment as Minister of Housing that have been continuing and escalating in seriousness uh, and, uh, and uh, to a level of a forensic audit of BC Housing. Uh, in early July 2022, um, we uh, uh, took uh, the recommendations of Ernst & Young around the terms of reference for a forensic audit of BC Housing. Uh, and we asked the Office of the Comptroller General to take over responsibility for that audit. The Comptroller General agreed to do so and retained Ernst & Young to do that work. Now this forensic audit is still in progress. I can provide the members of this House with some of the terms of reference uh, for the forensic engagement of BC Housing. To ensure specific internal controls of BC Housing are in place, in operating as described, including record retention. Record retention and decision-making processes and procedures for funding service providers. We're expecting the results of that forensic review 
uh, early next year, Honourable Speaker. Members, members. And I can assure all members of this House on receiving that, that we will, re we will release all of the documents that we can to the extent the law allows to the opposition and the public. House Leader of the Official Opposition. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Uh, there, there was no answer uh, there to the very straightforward question. Uh, Atira, the largest nonprofit housing provider for BC Housing, is an absolute complete mess. Uh, it, that has been confirmed in, in not one, but, but numerous uh, independent audits that have been done or reviews that have been done by third party accounting agencies. And so the public, we believe, and I think British Columbians would agree with us, the public has a right to know how much the CEO at Atira uh, makes. That was the simple question. So let the record show that the Premier skated right, right past that, which is alarming uh, in and of itself. BC Housing and Atira uh, are, are both in, in uh, dire straits at the moment, and those are both uh, uh, organizations that require accountability. They didn't have it back, back a number of years. Uh, clearly, the accountability is still not there today. But let's talk about the BC Housing uh, for a moment as well. Yesterday, when asked why the board of BC Housing was fired, the housing minister responded that it was because, and I quote, issues were identified, end quote. But for months, this premier has denied that there were any issues. He wants everyone to believe that firing the NDP-appointed board on a Friday evening in July, that that was completely normal, that there's nothing to see here. Here's the premier's words, and I quote, the changes in the board are not related to any sort of wrongdoing, end quote. Mr. Sp uh, Speaker, frankly, uh, this is the kind of devious behaviour that is so typical of this Premier, to claim that there are no issues, that this is all totally normal, rather, rather, rather than, than to just fess up, fess up uh, to what it really is, and that's an attempt to hide the mess that he created. So a very simple, uh, another very simple question uh, to the Premier is this, why did the Premier fire the Board of BC Housing? Premier. Uh, thank you, Honourable Chair. We received extensive recommendations from Ernst & Young uh, requiring a, a significant overhaul of the governance of BC Housing. We put a new board in place. I put a new board in place to bring extensive experience and skill sets to ensure effective and efficient oversight. And I, I will say, uh, Honourable Chair, there are a lot of members on, this, on the other side of the House. It is a bit strange that that's the member that would ask a question about managing Crown Corporations. Members, members, opposition house leader. Well, you know, the, the Premier is barely into his first week and he's completely out of material. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> completely out of material. But the question was, why did the Premier fire the Board of BC Housing? He didn't answer it. The question before that, the, the board that was appointed by, by his, the, the finance minister who sits right, right beside him, she appoints this board. He comes in and fires the board. The public has a right to know why. The public has a right to know why, uh, how much Atira, uh, the Atira CAO gets paid. No answer on that either. Mr. Speaker, the Premier tried to bury a damning Ernst & Young report by quietly releasing it on the Canada Day long weekend. One week later, he fired the board on a Friday night. That's not normal. 
But that's not all. 17 senior executives from BC Housing departed the corporation within two years, all without any explanation. That's not normal either. So just, just think about this for think about this for a moment. How bad must it be in, a, in an organization with a multi-billion dollar budget to have 17 senior executives leave the, the corporation within two years with no explanation? Clearly, BC Housing is an organization that is in complete and total chaos, and it's all under this Premier's watch. So the question is, can the Premier explain why 17 senior executives left BC Housing while, this, while he was the minister responsible for BC Housing, and will he order a full, transparent and independent <coughs> audit of the mess that he created at BC Housing and at Natira? Premier. Uh, Honourable Speaker, I, it's strange because I swear I just went through and explained the dates and exactly when I ordered a full forensic audit of BC. I can, uh, I can provide the dates again. Listen, it was an incredibly. Members, members, please. please it was an incredibly stressful time at BC Housing through the pandemic. And, uh, and I think a lot of employers uh, saw senior employees uh, making decisions about where they want to work, what kind of work they want to do, and so on. I can't explain all the backgrounds of each individual employee, but I can tell you it was incredibly stressful, a huge amount of work. During the pandemic, Honourable Speaker, decamping encampments, making sure that shelters were safe during the pandemic, people were working crazy hours. I am so grateful to every employee at BC Housing that put in that kind of time. the exact same message for our nonprofit housing service providers when I was speaking to them. These people put in unbelievable hours to ensure that uh, people in our province were kept safe during the pandemic. And we have challenges uh, retaining people in the whole social services sector coming out of the pandemic. I know the members on the other side know that. And it's not just BC Housing. It's all kinds of companies, public and private. Members. It's work for us to do. Absolutely. I accept that, Honourable Speaker. More work to do. House Leader, third party. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Through you to the Premier. Does his vision for British Columbia include returning to individualized funding for parents and caregivers of children with autism? Minister of Children and Family Development. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. And uh, we know that all children need to have access to the supports and services that are going to help them develop and help them thrive, and they need access to them as early as possible. That's why we're moving towards a needs-based system for children and youth with support needs, because far too many children and youth are being left behind. I have been listening to families, I've been listening to advocates, to service providers. Members. 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 Let, let the minister answer, please. Minister, minister will continue. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. I've been listening to organisations, Indigenous communities, Indigenous leadership, and I have been hearing some concerns, Honourable Speaker, and where I'm hearing concerns, I take those concerns very seriously. I will continue 
to listen to families, to listen to advocacy groups, to organisations. And we will, we will be working... Members. We will be working together, Honourable Speaker, to make sure that we build a system that is more accessible to more children and, crucially, earlier in their development so that more children and youth across our province will thrive. House Leader, third party supplemental. I'm uh, sure the parents and caregivers of uh, children with autism are going to be disappointed that the Premier, that our new Premier, doesn't have a different vision than the previous uh, Premier and the Minister. Um, Uh, for kids receiving individual support, Mr. Speaker, they have bonded with their service providers. These changes rip them away from their care team. It's cruel, actually, Mr. Speaker. It, it takes years for parents to find the right service providers for their children, and when they do, those children develop close, personal relationships with their caregivers Parents have actually described them to us as part of the family. The new hub model doesn't guarantee that those same providers will be available to families. The Ministry of Children and Family Development is once again or separating children from their loved ones. These children don't understand government bureaucracy. All they know is that the people that they trust are no longer around them. And it's confusing, it's distressing, and it's traumatizing. It's, diff it's not difficult to imagine a child in this situation to not internalize this. Autism BC released the results of a survey of 1,500 parents earlier this week. They found 4% of parents. The minister says that she's listening to the parents. 96% of them want rid of this hub model that she's brought in. More than half want to continue the model that they know works, and that's the individualized funding. Mr. Speaker, through you to the Premier, does his new vision for British Columbia include listening to parents and caregivers with children of autism and committing to returning to the individualized funding? Members, please. Minister. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. It is really important to listen to families. And I have been listening to families, and I will continue to listen to families. And where I'm hearing concerns, Honourable Speaker, I'm taking them very seriously. I hear from a range of families, Honourable Speaker. I hear from parents who say to me, this change cannot come soon enough. There are far too many. There are far too many children and youth who are left behind. We've heard from the representative for children and youth. She has made numerous recommendations that we need to move towards a needs-based system. In fact, there was a select standing committee of this very Legislative Assembly that made the recommendation that we need to move towards a needs-based system in order... Members, 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 members. Let the minister finish her answer, please. That's fine. People can ask another question later. Let's let her continue. 
Let's it is listen. widely recognised that many children and youth with neurodiversity and disabilities are not properly served and are left behind. Indeed, Autism BC, when they came to visit me on Monday this week, agreed with us that we need to change the system in order to meet the needs of more children. And for many children who have a, a diagnosis of autism, or who are waiting for a diagnosis of autism, are also not able to receive the services that they need. Children and youth with support needs need to be matched up with services that are going to meet their unique needs of them as children as early as possible to help them on their developmental pathway so that they will be able to thrive. Working in a needs-based system means that services will no longer be locked behind a diagnosis. More children will have an access to, to service, service, better access to services earlier in their development, and more children will thrive. Member for Prince George Wilmont. Thank you. Yesterday we asked the Premier about the comments of Stephanie Allen, who is a senior executive for BC Housing. She makes $245,000 a year and is responsible for performance at the Crown Corporation. The current housing minister, at least to his credit, denounced the comments of the senior executive yesterday. Comments like this one, and I quote, I'm not sure how we get out of the housing crisis without limiting capitalism, end quote. The very person tasked with leading this Premier's agenda on housing, which requires partnership with the private sector, actually believes the private sector is the enemy. So will the Premier stand up today and denounce these statements? Premier. Well, Honourable Speaker, it's a remarkable thing to hear the opposition today supporting private sector home builders when just yesterday they voted against housing supply. The opposition. Members, members, members. Members. Member, members, please. <laughs> Premier will continue. The, the opposition say a lot of words about housing, but if people want action on housing, they know where it is. <laughs> Member of Prince George Wilmot, supplemental. Members, please. Member has the floor, please. Thank you very much. What we know in this House is that this Premier has been an absolutely abysmal failure at every file he had his hands on. And, and, I, and I can assure. Members. <laughs> members. Members, members, 
Please. I can assure the member opposite what we voted against yesterday was this Premier's absolute lack of leadership, unwillingness to allow proper debate to take place in this chamber, and we're going to continue to be against that every single day. Premier, where he actually shuts down democracy in this legislature, and that's what we're going to keep fighting. And here's something else. Members, members, let's 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 get the question, please. Here's something hear else, Mr. Question. Speaker, that is shameful making wild inflammatory statements about those people you need to partner with to deliver a housing agenda should have consequences. So we have a, an executive, Stephanie Allen, being paid $245,000 a year by taxpayers, and she is responsible for performance. She says, and I quote, God bless everyone trying to find a home on these stolen lands as capitalism collapses under the weight of its greed and selfishness, end quote. She is the second in command at a multi-billion dollar crown corporation that is responsible for delivering this Premier's housing agenda. And it requires working with partners. So the Premier failed to denounce her comments. Will he get up, do the right thing, and denounce those comments. Premier. Uh, thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. I haven't been around as uh, long as the Minister for Public Safety, uh, but he leaned over and reminded me that in 2008, six bills were passed in 30 minutes by the BC Liberal government. Oh. Members, members, ramming Member. through. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Please continue. Ramming through six bills in 30 minutes, Honourable Speaker. It must have been a crisis. It must have been a crisis. We are in a housing crisis. British Columbians want us to act, and I will not apologize for acting. Member for Abbotsford West. Member for Abbotsford West. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Speaker. So, less than a, a week in his into his uh, premiership, here's what we've learned uh, about this premier's uh, record on housing. One, he actively sought to bury a report that revealed that revealed serious problems in mismanagement at a housing agency that was receiving and is receiving hundreds of millions of public tax dollars at his direction. Two, apparently on a dark and stormy night, he decided to fire the entire board at BC Housing without a word of explanation for why that was so and what prompted it. Three, 17, 17 senior executives 
fled BC housing during the two years on his watch. Four, they left behind a 2IC who is issuing statements that would make Shea Caveira blush, <laughs> denouncing those evil, dirty capitalists who are responsible for partnering with government to build the houses that British Columbians need, Mr. Speaker. It's, uh, quite frankly, it's a mess. And uh, no wonder, actually, no wonder the Premier did something that's never been done, and that is impose closure on housing legislation 24 hours after it was tabled in this leg legislature, Mr. Speaker. Members, members, let, let the member finish his question. God, God forbid, God forbid those pesky opposition MLAs should have an opportunity to ask questions to determine what exactly is taking place within BC Housing, what exactly is taking place with the, within these agencies that, like Atira that apparently are making a mess of things. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, if the Premier won't let MLAs do their job and ask the questions that are necessary by imposing closure on legislation, will he at least release the terms of reference to the audit he claims to have initiated but didn't manage to tell anyone about until this very time? Premier. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. I commit to the member, every member of this place will release everything that the law allows us to release once the forensic audit is complete. We expect that uh, uh, early next year unless the audit uncovers matters that require them to expand their scope of work. Um, now, it is important, it is important, I think, members. to be measured by results. Okay? In the whole 16 years that the BC Liberals were in government, they built members, members, Premier has the floor, please. Please continue. They built 130 units of student housing. Our government, our government has built 5,860 units. The champion. <laughs> members, I think I've hit on something, Honourable Speaker. I think I've hit members, on something. Members, members, Honourable, Honourable Speaker, when the leader of the opposition was the finance minister, uh, 27,588 homes built, 1,948 rental homes built. In the most recent year, we have data for. 53,000 new homes built, 13,127 rental homes built. Honourable Speaker, six times. Members. Six times. Let the Premier finish his answer, please. Let and, the Premier finish his answer. And double the number of homes in the private market. And better than that, Honourable Speaker, this side of the House voting for housing supply, while that side voted against it.